0: feeling that you are not alone don't worry it's just a ghost ghost. a shout out to tia mayhem and tanya venom of stormstress for providing the incredible intro music for this podcast welcome to episode 44 and the last of the october halloween bonus episodes This is Just a Ghost, and I am your host, Mary Jensen. Before listening to this episode, please check out the two contests we have running for this month at itsjustaghostpodcast.com and click on the contest link in the drop-down menu. Now I will discuss the history and alleged hauntings of the Stanley Hotel, as well as Stephen King's inspiration for the Overlook Hotel in The Shining. The Stanley Hotel is a 142 room Colonial Revival Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, United States. Approximately five miles from the entrance to Rocky Mountain National Park, the Stanley offers panoramic views of the lake, the Rockies, and especially Longs Peak. It was built by Freeland Oscar Stanley of Stanley Steamer fame and opened on July 4, 1909, as a resort for the upper class. Easterners in a health retreat for sufferers of pulmonary tuberculosis. The hotel and its surrounding structures are listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The Stanley Hotel served as the inspiration for the Overlook Hotel in Stephen King's 1977 best-selling novel, The Shining, and as the filming location for the 1997 TV miniseries also written by King. Today the hotel features a restaurant, spa, and and bed-and-breakfast and provides guided tours. The original 1980 film, also based on King's novel, is regarded as one of the greatest horror films ever made. Though the inspiration came from The Stanley, the movie was shot in Glacier National Park, Montana. Timberline Lodge in Oregon was used for the exterior of the Overlook Hotel and Arwanhee Hotel was used for the interior scenes. The History of the Stanley Hotel In 1903, the Yankee steam-powered car inventor Freeland Oscar Stanley was stricken with life resurgence of tuberculosis. The most highly recommended treatment for the day was fresh, dry air with much sunlight and a hearty diet. Therefore, like many lungers of his day, Stanley resolved to take the curative Air of the Rocky Mountains. He and his wife Flora arrived in Denver, Denver, Colorado in March and in June on the recommendation of Dr. Sherman Grant Boney relocated to Estes Park, Colorado for the rest of the summer. Over the course of the season Stanley's health improved dramatically. Impressed by the beauty of the valley and grateful for his recovery, he decided to return every year. He lived to the ripe age of 91 dying of a heart attack in newton massachusetts one year after his wife in 1940 by 1907 stanley had recovered completely however not content with the rustic accommodations lazy pastimes and relaxed social scene of their new summer home stanley resolved to turn estates park into a resort town in 1907 construction began on the hotel stanley a 48-room grand hotel that catered to the class Of moderately wealthy urbanites who composed the Stanley social circle back East as well as to consumatives seeking the healthful climate. The land was officially purchased in 1908 through the representatives of Lord Dunraven, the Anglo-Irish peer who had originally acquired it by stretching the provisions of the Homestead Act of 1862 and preemption rights. Between 1872 and 1884, Dunraven claimed 15,000 acres of the East Valley in an unsuccessful attempt to create a private hunting preserve, making him one of the largest foreign holders of American lands. Unpopular with the local ranchers and farmers, Dunraven left the area for the last time in 1884, regulating the ranch to management of an overseer. Dunraven's presence in Colorado had become so well known in the United States that his situation was parodied in Charles King's novel, Dunraven Ranch, from 1892, as well as James A. Mechlenor's Centennial, 1974. His reputation was such that, when Stanley suggested that Dunraven has a name for his new hotel. 180 people signed a buckskin petition requesting he name it for himself instead. The main hotel and concert hall were completed in 1909 and the manor in 1910. To bring guests from the nearest train depot in the foothills town of Lyons, Colorado, Stanley's car company provided a fleet of specially designed steam-powered vehicles called mountain wagons, which seated multiple passengers. Stanley operated the hotel almost as a pastime, remarking once that he spent more money than he made each summer. In 1926, Stanley sold his hotel to a private company incorporated for the sole purpose of running it. The venture failed and in 1929, Stanley purchased the property out of foreclosure, selling it again to fellow automobile and hotel management, Roe Emery of Denver. Until 1983, the resort was only open during the summer, shutting down for the winter every year. The presence of the hotel and Stanley's own involvement greatly contributed to the growth of Vestas Park, incorporated in 1917, and the creation of the Rocky Mountain National Park, established in 1915. Upon opening, the hotel was alleged to be one of the few in the world powered entirely by electricity. However, lack of available power induced the installation of Auxiliary Gas Lighting System in June of 1911. On June twenty fifth, the day after the pipes had been filled, an explosion occurred that injured a made and damaged the structure. The event is known of only through contemporary newspaper articles, which conflict on certain details. A brief article telegraphed to the York Dispatch of York, Pennsylvania, and circulated by the Associated Press the following day, reads as follows the stanley hotel built at cost of five hundred thousand dollars was partly wrecked last night as an explosion of gas eight persons were injured one seriously none of the guests were injured elizabeth wilson of lancaster pennsylvania a hotel employee was, was hurled from the second to the first floor and both ankles are broken When the Lancaster paper reprinted the story, the editor noted that Elizabeth Wilson's name did not appear in local directories and she could not be identified as a Lancastrian. Similar accounts in local Colorado papers gave the maid's name as Elizabeth Lambert and convey various dramatic details that are not confirmed by other articles. The dining room of the Stanley Manor will be used during the time the big building is undergoing repairs. And the other accommodations will be adequate because of the fact that the damage was confined chiefly to the west end of the building. The management estimated the damage last night as probably ten thousand dollars. The explosion was caused by an accumulation of gas from a leaky pipe. The gas accumulated in the space between the ceiling of the dining room and the floor of the second story. A chambermaid who was in the room directly above the dining room was in the act of lighting the gas when the match which she held in her hand ignited the escaping gas. The explosion which followed to a huge hole in the floor, precipitating gas quantities of plaster, timbers, and other debris into the dining room. The chambermaid, Lizzie Listenberger, had both ankles broken, it is thought, from the conclusion of the explosion, and was thrown into a hole in the floor. She was not, however, thrown through into the dining room, being caught by the timbers and held into rescued. She was taken to a hospital in Longmount. She had been an employee of the hotel ever since it was built and came here from Philadelphia. Two waiters also sustained slight injuries, one suffering a dislocated hip and the other being struck across the face by a flying plank. Neither of these, however, is in serious condition. A land manager of the hotel, his wife and daughter, and several guests were in the dining room at the time of the explosion, but all miraculously escaped injury. The dining room was badly wrecked and the west end of the building was strained out of the line from the force of the explosion. At least 10 large plate glass windows on the ground floor were shattered, as well as several doors, which were blown from the hinges. The hotel is ordinarily lighted by electricity from a private plant in the neighborhood. But the generator in this plant showed gas signs early Sunday afternoon of giving trouble Sunday night. So preparations were made to put the auxiliary lighting system into working order. The generating plant for this system is located in Stanley Manor. And the big building had just been piped last winter, the pipes never having been filled with gas until Sunday. The Legend After a visit in 1974, Stephen King used the property as inspiration for The Shining. Of course, the subject matter of The Shining brings up the biggest question of all. Is the Stanley haunted? Guests seem to think so. In 1911, the explosion in the room 217 sent chambermaid Elizabeth Wilson through the floor and two broken ankles. She survived and had her medical bills paid for, but many believe she still haunts the halls. Likewise, guest lodges have, over the years, continually reported the appearance of a ghostly figure on the fourth floor with a description loosely resembling Flora Stanley. Stephen King counts himself among the believers. On his website, he attributes The Shining's inspiration to an, to an otherworldly presence. He says, I dreamt of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder. His eyes wide and he was screaming, he writes. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk within an inch of falling out of bed. I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in the chair looking out the windows at the Rockies. And by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. Although individual employees are hesitant about making definitive statements about it being haunted, the Stanley doesn't shy away from their reputation as one of the America's most haunted hotels. There are multiple daily spirit tours, one caught on the daily news cycle when a guest photographed a ghost. The hotel website offers special bookings for rooms 401, 407, 428, and of course, room 217 all which are significant in the movie. It isn't enough to convince Mike Garris, although Garris directed The Shining miniseries and has made a career mining inspiration from the otherworldly and macabre. He is still a skeptic, even after spending an unusual night in room 217. Garris says, I fell asleep at like 10 o'clock. He recalls of his night in the infamous room, and at exactly midnight, I woke up Wide awake for no reason. That's a mild supernatural kind of thing that he could interpret it as more. Other people talked about feeling a weight of someone sitting down on the end of the bed. And then they turned and looked up and no one was there. That didn't happen to me. If it had, I might have been more willing to embrace the idea of the haunted hotel. It is interesting to note that the Stanley was also the filming location of the incomparable 1994 Jim Carrey vehicle, Dumb and Dumber. In line with its founder's intentions, the Stanley continues to import entertainment for its guests, staging boutique weekend concerts with a series of bands that have included Murder by Death and Graham Nash. For Food Lovers, there's also a monthly series where visiting chefs curate a multi-course dinner. The lineup has included several previous top chef contestants, and an episode was once filmed on the premises. They also offer curated half and full day expeditions into the Rocky Mountains. It can, in short, accommodate a wide array of interests without compromising its core identity or values. The Stanley has a life of its own, partly because of what was suggested by Stephen King and partly because of the fact that it's over 100 years old. Garris agrees it is such a place of its own that you really run across that. Other facts that inspired The Shining. Did The Shining scare you for life the first time you saw it? The classic horror movie has everything that could possibly creep you out and force you to run under the covers with no intention of resurfacing. Supernatural forces, the slow-burning insanity of main character Jack Torrance, And most importantly, an isolated hotel in the mountains as a backdrop for the terror that ensues. If only you could visit the Overlook Hotel and feel the bone-chilling energy of the movie for yourself. Oh wait, you can! Well, the Overlook Hotel from the movie doesn't actually exist. It is based on the Stanley Hotel. Room 142 Colonial Arrival Hotel nestled in the Rocky Mountains. Although parts of its interior have been renovated, the hotel still gives off a turn-of-the-century ghostly energy that attracts tons of horror movie fans every year. Constructed in 1909 as a resort for the upper-class society of the Northeast, the hotel has retained its historic facade and even offers spirited rooms with highly paranormal activity for lovers of ghosts and everything occult. Ready to learn more about the hotel that inspired the classic film? that gave basically everyone a nightmare for life. The spirits are not limited to adults. Tour guides say the ghost of a child with autism also roams the grounds and is known to play with the hair of guests. Staff says a boy named Billy is drawn to people who work with people with autism or are familiar with the developmental disorder. On the fourth floor guests have also reported hearing children running around laughing and playing. Guides say that's where nannies and the kids they watched would spend much of their time back in the day. Not all of the hotel's reported ghosts stand on two legs. There's a pet cemetery on the grounds that guides say is the final resting place for some of the owner's animals. Staff says the ghosts of a cat and a dog have been seen roaming around. Guides end their tours in a cave system below the hotel where staff says there's a higher-than-average concentration of limestone and quartz, which is believed by some to draw spirits to the property. The Stanley Hotel today. Today, the Stanley has been beautifully restored and hosts guests year-round. Those interested in learning more about the history of the legendary hotel and and its haunted folklore can go on a range of tours. Another fact, the famous line, Here's Johnny, was almost cut. Jack's famous line, delivered when he's trying to get to Wendy, who locked herself in a bathroom, was almost cut from the film. Kubrick didn't know that the phrase was Johnny Carson's introduction on The Tonight Show and didn't understand why it was so significant. The film was supposed to be so much longer. On many occasions, Kubrick had to cut out scenes because Warner Brothers complained that it was too long. The European version of the film is 25 minutes shorter than other theatrical releases. Warner Brothers also said that the film was far too ambiguous, and Kubrick said that it was not well received. Stephen King was not a fan of many aspects of the film adaptation of his book. He said that it was the only one that he can remember hating, and that spending three hours watching an ant farm would have been more emotionally uplifting. He also disagreed with a lot of the casting of Shelley Duvall's portrayal, he said. She's basically just there to scream and be stupid, and that's not the woman I wrote about. Outtakes from the film a lady used in Blade Runner. Ridley Scott revealed that at the end of the Blade Runner, the paranormal shots were actually pieces taken from the beginning of The Shining, which he received permission from Stanley Kubrick to use. I know you shot the hell out of The Shining. Can I use some of the stuff? He asked. After the failure of Barry Lydon, Kubrick researched for something that would be more palatable for the for the average audience. His secretary said that he was brought stacks of horror novels to read and would hear him throwing them across the room to land in the reject pile after reading only the first few pages. I see dead people," she said. That after not hearing books hitting the wall for a few days, she went to check on him and saw him deep into *The Shining*. Shelley Duvall said the filming process was unbearable. The stress of dealing with Stanley Kubrick, his style of directing, and the working conditions proved to be too much for Shelley Duvall. One scene would take two weeks to film, and Kubrick would force actors to work sometimes 13-hour days, repeating the same scene, going through day after day of excruciating work. Almost unbearable, she said. And in my character, I had to cry for 12 hours a day, all day long, nine months straight, five or six days a week. Spooky Hotels, an overly eccentric director, and a writer who hates a film that came from his book. We'll leave it up to you to decide what's scarier, watching the movie or filming it. As always, please email us your Paranormal Experiences to It's Just a Ghost Podcast at Yahoo.com and we will read them on an upcoming episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please follow and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can help us grow and get our name out there by telling your friends about us, and we would be thrilled if you would leave us five stars. This helps people find us out there in the sea of podcasts. It's all free, so why not, right? You can follow us on Facebook at It's Just a Ghost Podcast, and on Twitter at It's Just a Ghost, too. That's the number two. And also on Instagram at It's Just a Ghost Podcast. Remember, ghosts are people, too. Until next time.